0: Well, um, if you didn't if you didn't uh, join us last week, we started a brand new series called the Biblical Making of Womanhood, and uh, all of those all of that first part it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on our website, it's on our podcast, which we have our podcast on Spotify or um, also on uh, Apple. And so, if you guys want to share or anything or listen to it for the first time, we'd love for you guys to check that out. But we're basically talking about the biblical making of womanhood, what the Bible says about being a woman, which I know is probably really weird coming from a man. Um, but we had a great first week, and I love all of your guys' support, all of your questions. I've got some really good, had some really good conversations this week. But I want to pick it up. Last week we talked about Jesus and women, like what Jesus did and all the women that he surrounded himself with. Believe it or not, there were women disciples, there were women preachers. Um, Jesus was was with women all the time, and so we kind of use that as a a setup, right? Jesus empowered, stood up for, and included women in his ministry. Now, I want to get into kind of some of the nitty-gritty, right? The church politics, we're going to get into some of Paul's letters the next two weeks. But I want to start with um, a quote. Uh, Owen Strachan. I think I'm pronouncing this right. Owen Strachan, he wrote, he wrote this essay. He's the president, if you don't know who this is, he is the president of the Biblical, biblical uh, Manhood and Womanhood Council. I didn't even know that existed, okay? But there is a council for the uh, Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and a man is president of it. Go figure. Uh, but he wrote this paper, Divine Order in a Chaotic Age on Women Preaching. And I want to read you a little excerpt of what he said. He begins with just Genesis. And basically what he explains is that, forget Paul's letters, which we'll get to next week. But let's just start with Genesis. Genesis creates an argument that men are superior to women. That women should be submissive to men. And this is what it says. Check this out. It says, The man is created first in the Old Testament. And possesses what the New Testament will call headship over his wife. Adam is constituted the leader of his home. And he is given authority in it. And then he keeps going on. And he says, authority that is shaped in a Christ-like way as the biblical story unfolds. On the basis of a man's domestic leadership, men are called to provide spiritual leadership and protection of the church. Then he ends and he says, elders preach, teach, and shepherd the flock of God. Only men excel as head of their wives and are called to the position of elder. So, if you don't know what he's saying, let me take all of that and condense it really, really quick. This is what he says. Men lead, women follow, for the Bible tells me so. That's basically what he's saying. And there's a word for this that evangelicals use. And the word that they would use is this. Christian patriarchy. You ever heard of this? Christian patriarchy. It means there's an order to this. And there's several historians that kind of break down patriarchy and what it would look like and what it would mean. And there was a, a specific historian um, that I found called Judith Bennett um, in a book. And she breaks it down real simply. She said, if you want to explain pa- Christian patriarchy, there's three things you look for. And she says, number one, male ecclesiastical leaders, meaning males teach the Bible. Males can be pastors. Males are the leaders. They are the spiritual um, teachers of the family, of the church, and so on. The second uh, characteristic would be male household heads, meaning that men get the final say. Okay? Men are the heads of the house, and they have the power. Men get to make the decisions. And then the third thing is a society that promotes male authority and female submission. So he says these are, the, these are the big three things that we see when it comes to Christian patriarchy is that we see these male leaders not only just in the home, but also as the spiritual leaders. And, and, and the third one is that there's really, she says, the sum of these things. Really, this last one, the society that promotes male authority and female submission, like this, this is the big one. And this is kind of how this kind of leadership or this kind of patriarchy, how it kind of unfolds itself and what it ends up looking like in our culture and you know this has had a dramatic effect on 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 women if you look at ancient times where this was you know most promoted and and most believed women were treated so unfairly Uh, women were given less opportunity in education Women were viewed really as property. If you go back to Mesopotamia times, men, even if they saw that maybe there was a a hint that their wife was um, committing adultery, then he had every right to stone her to death or even to drown her. That was completely legal. He didn't have to prove himself. He didn't have to have a case. Um, there was no court system. Men had that right because women were viewed so much less than, or women were viewed so much less than men that they were viewed as like property and they were treated as such. Now, I think a lot of times in 2021, we hear those kinds of things and we go, well, thank goodness we don't do that stuff today, right? I mean, thank goodness that women have rights today because we don't live that way. That's, That's so barbaric. Those ancient times, I can't believe they treated women that way. But that's certainly not what happens today. However, it does still happen today. See, the thing is, is that this is fleshed out. Last week, we talked a lot about how this fleshes out in the church, right? And I already kind of told you my stance that, you know, we we believe in, in, in women elders and women teachers. I mean, Pastor Kerry is on our staff, and, and we have Ashley, who's who's leading our youth. We, we believe that their calls to ministry are just as valid as, as a male's as well. But the thing is, is that this doesn't just stay uh, in, in the realm of the church. This is, much like Judith Bennett says, this flesh flushes out in the world. Pew Research did a study and this is some of the statistics that they found that are happening today. They found that they did a study on full-time and part-time female employees and they found that in 2019, women earned 84% of what men earned. If you go on Pew Research, they, they or I'm sorry, Pew Research also did one on, on full-time female employees, and they found that in 2019, full-time female employees earned 82 of what men earned. And then they also found they did a little bit more research, and they found that four in ten women said that they had experienced gender discrimination at work. Four in ten women have experienced discrimination at work. These are some of the stats that come up so the thing is is we can look at that and we and we can say well man thank goodness we're not like those ancient times but the truth is is that even today in 2021 where we think that women and men have equal rights we're seeing women even just in the workplace even in their careers not getting equal opportunity not getting the same thing as men but Owen Strachan and others who believe in, in Christian patriarchy, they they go on and they they build this case, and they build it starting with Genesis. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to go into Genesis. We're going to look at some of these verses and what people believe, where it creates Christian patriarchy, and we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about exactly what it means, and we're going to see, is there a case there for Christian patriarchy where men are above women, and women should submit to men? We're not talking about marriage yet, okay? We're not we're not there yet. We're going to get there. We're going to talk about Paul and everything Paul says says about wives and husbands and all that. But this is just talking about men and women in general. Okay, So take marriage out of your head for a minute. This is just talking about the two genders. They are saying that men are above women and women should be submissive to men. So let's go back to Genesis. If we go to Genesis 1.26, this is what Genesis tells us. Then God said, so God makes the heavens and the earth and all of that, right? And then he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. And then he says, you know, the, the birds and the fish and everything, right? And he breaks that all down. So here's the thing. The thing is, is if we start to look at that, what what many people say is we go look right there look right there when god made Man And some of your translations of your Bible, it will say the word man there, not mankind. There's a very specific reason. People have asked me this question before. When you read the Bible, or if you ever wanted me to study the Bible, what translation of the Bible would you tell me to use? And I know there's a lot out there. There's a lot to pick from. But when I preach, I preach from the NIV, or the New International Version, because it's one of the most accurate English versions that there is, right? You could go King James. King James is also very good as well. It's just sometimes easy or hard to to read or understand. But I love the NIV because the, the word there that's mankind I think is very important because some people use versions, English translations of their Bible, and it says man, right? And they say, well, look right there. God made man. But if you actually go to the original writings, the Hebrew that's there, the Hebrew word would actually be human. God made humans, God made mankind, and that's going to be very important for what's coming up forward. So then it goes on, and it it says this. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky and all the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Now, when it says helper there, that translation, what it means is equal. He had nobody who was equal to him. He had no one he could relate to. Nobody was like him. And it says, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had had taken out of the man, and he brought her to man. And man, he, he says this, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So, a patriarchy would say, well, see right there, there's a lot of evidence, okay? And and, and arguments for patriarchy, this is what they'd say. They'd say, well, men were created first and given leadership over creation. And I would argue with that. And the way that I would argue with that is I would say, well, he did make a man first, but it's very specific in the Hebrew that it says that he made mankind so that they, so that they may rule over creation. So, I get it, but that's what they're saying. Well, men were made first, and they were given authority, and so therefore, men have authority over everybody. Then they would also say that women were made second, and women were made second to be helpmates, which it says. It uses that word there, to be a helper. So there you go, pastor. There's the argument. Men were made first. They were given authority. Women were made second, and they were there to be our helpers, which some people think is to serve. But that idea, okay, this idea of Christian patriarchy, and again, how it fleshes itself out, and that's so very important. When we're talking about theology and ideas, we always have to think about not what we want it to be, but how it fleshes itself out in the real world. And the thing is, it's just how we just looked at women and their careers and the opportunities that they've been given. It also fleshes itself out today in how women are treated Did you know, did you know that in the state of Texas, 2019, women make up 94% of victims in domestic partnership murder-suicides? That's in Texas. 94% women make up those cases. 25%, 25% of women have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner, by a husband or a boyfriend or a male who is close to them. Here's some more statistics for you. Adult women account for 49% of all human trafficking victims. Adult women, 49% of all human trafficking victims are adult women. And by 15 years old, by 15 years old, one in 10 women report having experienced sexual cyber harassment from a male. See, here's the thing. This is the result of these ideas that men are superior to women. That there's a patriarchy here. And men, we're the big shots. And and women, they are less than. And and their, their job is to serve us. Their job is to be here to be our helpmates. This idea that they are less than. And they are here to submit to us. And again, remember, we're not even talking about marriage yet. We're just talking about the idea of where men and women place. And this is how it gets fleshed out. Is that women are mistreated. So... Look, we just we just get to that point, right? And then we get into Genesis 3, right? We get to after the fall. We get to, you know, Adam and Eve. They go and they eat from the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil, the tree that they weren't supposed to, and God finds out. And then we get to what we refer to in the church as the fall, right? The place where they're, they're cursed because they did they disobeyed God. And so God starts to, to hand out everybody's you know, punishment. And so this is the case where Christian patriarchy, they really grab this and they go, well, this is, just the, this is it. This is the bread and the butter right here. So let's look at what it says in Genesis. 316. It says, so God turned to the woman first, and he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children, and your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Okay, so let me read that again. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Okay, Again, a Christian patriarchy would say, look, it's right there, pastor. Come on, it's black and white right there in the Bible. Women are here to desire me. And I'm glad you laughed at that, Carrie. <laughs> uh, g- <laughs> ladies, le- let me say, ladies, anytime y'all want to say amen, just all right? Just, y'all just start letting it out, all right? Because the guys are going to be really quiet today, all right? Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. There it is. But... There's something very important here that a Christian patriarchy would have a hard time explaining. Let's not also forget that it wasn't just the woman who was cursed. The man was cursed as well. And how was the man cursed? Well, this is what happened. God turned to Adam, and this is what he said. He says, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. This is your punishment. Cursed is the ground. Because of you, through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. So, let's review what happened here. Before the fall, mankind was created. Man first, then women. Then... During that time, they were ruling over creation. Creation was under them. Creation was doing whatever they told them to do. They named the animals. They, 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 they planted. They created. They ate. They didn't have any problems. It was like creation was there. And there was a hierarchy there. Before the fall, there was, there was a hierarchy. Mankind and creation. And creation worked for mankind. That was the hierarchy. And then God was above them. That was the hierarchy of how things were created. Because men and women were created in God's image. But men, God was their Lord. But creation was not created in their image. And so creation was below them. That was the hierarchy. But then came the fall. And everything changed. And a Christian patriarch would say, "Well, But look, right there, women were put underneath a man. Man was superior men were meant to rule over women but let's not also forget what happened to men at one time before the fall men were here and creation was below them but what happened it got swapped God said men you will now the the creation will not work for you you are going to have to work the ground and it's going to be a pain in your butt and you are going to have to work it, and you are going to have to be creative, and it is no longer going to do what you want it to do, and you are going to be its servant. You are going to have to work the ground, you are going to have to serve the ground, and it is going to be your master. So as a result, this is how everything ended. As a result of human sin, the man was now the, man was now the master of the woman, and the ground was now the master over the man. But there's something very important we need to point out. And it's this. This was contrary to God's original intention for creation. This was not how it was supposed to be. This is just how it was. But here's what's interesting to me. Is that, let's, let's take the man for a moment, right? Men, all of a sudden, the, the ground, the world... It was our master. It was no longer gonna work for us. We were gonna to have to work it. And men, ever since the fall, ever since this time, there have been so many things that have happened to our world. And what have men done? Men have not accepted it, right? I mean, look at the things we do. I mean, we create, we engineer. We build, I mean, the world and the ground and this earth and the weather, it is hard on us. And we look at it and we go, "Uh uh-uh, not today, right? So we built houses, we made weapons, we harvest, we plant, we engineer, we create, even sickness. Guess what? Sickness was not God's intention. Sickness was not in the world. Sickness was not in the garden. There were no pandemics. And so, But guess what? Sickness and pandemics, is, illnesses are now in the world. And what do we do as mankind? We go, uh-uh, I'm not accepting that. We're going to make vaccines and we're going to make medicines and we're going to have surgeries. And we have done so much since the fall to combat this broken world because we know there's almost something innate in us, whether we're Christian or not, that no, this is not how it is supposed to be. We are going to use our minds, we're going to use our hearts, we're going to use our sweat, we're going to use our blood, and we are going to figure out a solution to this and make things the way they should be because we know when we look at sickness and death and harm and famine and war we look at it we go this is not how it's supposed to be this needs to be fixed and so what's so interesting is that since the time of the fall since the time of the fall mankind has been on a journey to get back to the garden with god We know in our hearts what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to be. And as a mankind, we've gone, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to solve it. And even though I have to work hard to do it, I'm going to make creation work for me. Because I know this isn't right. I know we can do better. Right? We don't just throw our hands up and go, well, that's how it is. You know, when people do something wrong, we have court systems. We have ways of processing that. We try to teach other people how to do better. We parent our kids. We say, hey, that's not how you're supposed to be. Well, how am I supposed to be? Well, let me show you how you're supposed to be because we know in our hearts the way it's supposed to be. And we fix it. We have always strived our hardest for thousands of years to get back to the garden with God, to make the world how it was intended to be. So why don't we do the same with our relationship with women? Because when it comes to our relationship with women, we go, well, look, there it is. It's a result of the fall. Men are supposed to rule over women. But that's not the way it was intended to be. And that's not the way it was in the garden. So why are we not fighting to get back to the way things were in the garden? Where men... And women were both created in God's image. And both equals. Seems to be like we're picking and choosing exactly which battles we want to fight. See, here's the thing we have to think about in our heads. Is instead of assuming assuming that patriarchy is instituted by God because it exists in the Bible, we must ask whether patriarchy is actually a product of sinful human hands maybe because it, it suits us, we've kept it around. We're, we're trying to fix war. We're trying to fix famine. We're trying to fix diseases. We're trying to f- figure out the easiest way in the world to, 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 to make food and to produce harvests and to hunt and to do all that. But then when it comes to our relationship with women, we go, well, now hold on just a minute. Now the Bible says that the way it's supposed to be is men are over women, so I don't know, man. I think that's just, we. Let's just leave that one alone. Okay, let's figure out everything else. But maybe we just maybe we just ought to leave leave that alone. It was interesting. Whenever I I, I was planning this series and I was working on it, I was reading books and I was researching. I put out there on social media that I was that I was going to preach on this. And I put out there the book that I was reading at the time, and I said, this is coming. Now, let me give you guys a hint, okay? Don't tell anybody my secret, okay? I do that on purpose. It's purposely designed that way, okay? See, what I do is, is like months before the sermon, I put out what I'm talking about, if it's controversial, so I can get all the bad questions and emails coming to me. (laughs) and then I can go and research it and figure it out so that that way when I preach, I don't sound like a moron, right? (laughs) So it's like a warm-up. See what I do? See? It's like a warm-up. It's like a pre-fight, right? Like I like a warm-up, like a little debate. And I go, "Huh." when really I'm in my office going, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I better find it really quick, right? So that's what I do, okay? So don't tell anybody. But sometimes when I make an announcement about what I'm preaching on, that's why I do it, okay? So anyway, I put out there that I was reading this book, and this is what the book is, and this is the series that's coming. I put it out there. And Bo Burgess, Bo shared it. Bo put it up there on Facebook. It goes, this is what my pastor's talking about. Yeehaw, right? So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that's a perfect Bo impression, right? I should have been Bo for Halloween. So Bo puts it out there, and this woman comments on it. And this woman says, oh, Bo, I would be so careful. That is blasphemous. I'm really concerned about the church you're going to. You should be really careful because that's blasphemy. Now, look. I don't like. I don't get into Facebook fights or debates. I don't do that. I, I will never fight you in the comment section. However, remember I'm in warm up fight mode. Okay, so I'm like, well, oh, this will be good. This will be a good warm up fight. So I actually asked Bo's permission. Okay, I did. I said, Bo, hey. I said, hey, I want to. I want to reply to this woman and have a conversation. I don't know who she is, but uh, this is obviously probably a friend of yours or something so I, I don't want to cause any heat for you or anything else is it okay if i reply to her and he said oh no it's fine this is a crazy cousin of mine i don't care about her rip her up man rip her up <laughs> i said right, thanks bo all right i'm gonna I'm go after her real hard then. all right so i said to her i said hey i said i said what do you believe of the, what part of this is it that you believe is blasphemy And I said, did you read the book? Because obviously I put a book out there. I said, did you read the book, and what part do you see as blasphemy? And she said, I don't need to read the book. I read the reviews on back, and I listened to a sample on Audible. And can we just take a time out, okay? And if I don't get a bunch of amens after I say this, I'm leaving. I'm just going to leave, okay? But let's take a time out. Can we stop as Christians doing what the rest of the world does and do what I like to call potty research? You know what potty research is? It's where you sit on the toilet with your iPhone, and in about the time it takes for you to take a dump, you read two articles on what you want to believe, and you've done your research, and you share it with everybody like it's the gospel truth. That's what I like to call potty research. Could we all just uh, for a minute stop doing that for a second? I did my research. No, you didn't. You sat on the toilet. And looked at one article on the toilet, and that's how you came up with why you're doing what you do. Just stop it, okay? Reading the back of a book and listening to a sample on Audible ain't research, okay? So anyway, enough said. But that's all she did. And I said, what part specifically do you consider to be blasphemous? And it was one review in particular. This was the review that's on the back of the book that she said is blasphemy. She said, This book has the power to help Christians build, build a faith where there is neither male nor female to liberate women from patriarchal heresies and to heal pain inflicted by countless churches. This is Jonathan Merritt. I have no clue who that is, but they are on the back of the book, and this is their review. They think that this is terrific, and it's building a faith where there is neither male nor female. And Bo's crazy cousin said, that is blasphemy. To build a faith where there is neither male nor female. This is what she said specifically. (laughs) A faith where there is neither male nor female is blasphemy. The Bible is clear on gender roles. Don't read what you want to see. Read what God wants you to see. Bo's crazy cuz. That's what she wrote me. Okay. So it's interesting. She said the part that's blasphemy is the part where there's neither male nor female. She said the Bible is clear on gender roles. Wives, submit to your husband. She quoted that one to me. She knows that one good. Wives, submit to your husband to your husbands. It's there. It's in the Bible. And that, I don't know what that is, but that is blasphemy. And I said, did you know that when Jonathan wrote that, he is not quoting the book? He is actually quoting the Bible. What? (laughs) Some of y'all just did it. That's in there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Paul, Paul, the guy that tells wives to submit to their husbands, which you don't even know why, but we'll get to that. He said that. Why would he say that? He sounds like a guy that's for patriarchy, but he's not Wait just a minute. Let's look at what Paul said to the church in Galatia. This is what he said. He said, before coming to this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was a guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, he's talking about Jesus, we are no longer under a guardian. This is so, so very important, and why you can't just go find Scripture verses that fit your agenda. We have to understand what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia is, look, God created the world in his image. He created it the way it was supposed to be, and he looked at it, and he said it was good. It was perfect. It was right. And then we came along, and we messed it up, and things happened. And because of our sin, God had to put us in a holding pattern. God had to put us under a guardianship. God had to say, hold on, time out. I need to pick up all the pieces. I haven't given up on you guys. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you back. And I'm going to fix all of this. But hold on, time out. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a patriarchy, okay? Men are going to be above women. Creation is going to be above men. Also, you guys have all lost your minds. Here's a bunch of laws. Okay, 613 commands. Follow them all. You're going to mess them all up. It's okay. Don't expect you to be perfect. It's just a holding pattern. It's just how it's supposed to be. You'll find all kinds of stuff in the Old Testament of things that weren't supposed to be there. You'll find stuff in the Old Testament that say that women are below men. You'll see stuff about mixed relationships, about how the Israelites and Jews were not supposed to mix with any other race you'll find things about tattoos in there and all kinds of stuff and it was all there because it was temporary it was temporary but it was not god's intended design It was a holding pattern. It was a guardianship to get us to Jesus. And then when Jesus came, Jesus died for our sins, but he also rose again. The veil was torn. There were no more sacrifices that needed to be made. The temple was destroyed because guess what? It also wasn't needed anymore. The laws were summed up in one law, love your neighbor and love God. And all of a sudden, Jesus built this bridge between us and God to make our our way back to God to be with him in the garden again. He made a way for us to connect with him and make our way back. And he said, you are no longer my servants. You are no longer my slaves. You are children of mine. I have adopted you into my family and I want you to make your way back to the garden Make your way back to the kingdom. Make your way back to me. And I promise you that if you believe in me and you pick up your cross and you follow me, you will spend eternity with me again in the garden as the way things were supposed to be. And so Paul, he starts to flesh that out. In the very next verse, no breaks or nothing, in the very next verse, Paul says, so this is awesome, and this is what this looks like. He says, so, as a result of, in Christ Jesus, you are all children through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed yourself in Christ. And then he says, and there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. says there's not any genders, there's not not any different races, there's not Jew or Gentile. There are no slaves and masters. None of you are slaves or masters. None of you are viewed or categorized as male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that's how it's going to look in heaven. Because in heaven there's not a spot for the Jews, and a spot for the Gentiles, and there's not a spot or heaven for the slaves and the masters. And guess what? There's no hierarchy in heaven. There's no men over women in heaven. We are all one in Christ Jesus. In the book that I was reading, it said this. It said, isn't it ironic, not to mention tiresome, that we spend so much time fighting to make Christianity look like the world around us instead of fighting to make it look like Jesus Christ? I agree with Bo's crazy cousin. Don't read the Bible for what you want it to say. Read it for what God wants to say to you. And don't just memorize the one verses that probably a male taught you that wives should submit to their husbands. Read the whole thing. Because Paul was very clear. In the kingdom of God, there is no hierarchy. And someone could say, well, yeah, in heaven. In heaven, Pastor. In heaven there won't be a pi- patriarchy but here but here while we're here that's how it's supposed to be. Men are supposed to rule over women. That's very interesting that you say that. Then why did Jesus when he t- Jesus taught us to pray then why did he tell us to pray this way? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where on earth as it is in heaven because see as Christians as Christians one of the things we're called to do is to give people a preview of what heaven looks like we're not waiting to be rescued we're not waiting to go to Disney World we're supposed to make this place look like Disney World we're here to make this earth look like heaven we're not waiting for God's kingdom to come. We're saying while we're waiting, we're going to do everything in our power with God's help to pray, God, let your kingdom come, and may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So let me ask you this question. This is the question I want you to think about. This is the question I want you to discuss on the way home. This is the question I want you to talk about in your groups while you're trick-or-treating at tonight is this, if God's kingdom, if God's kingdom is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, then how should you live on earth today? Because it's very important how you live on earth today. Because if you live on earth today thinking that there is a patriarchy where women are to submit to men, that men are superior to women, well, guess what? It has the potential to flesh it out in a very, very evil way. The statistics are there, guys. Whether it be a woman's career, whether it be how women are treated. And again, this ain't a problem that's going on on the other side of the world. This ain't no problem that's going on in another country. These statistics are here in the United States that women are being abused and harassed and are being treated as sexual slaves. What are you going to do about that? Are you okay with that? I don't think anyone is. Well, guess what? It comes from some unique evil perversion of ideas that we teach. And as I shared with you last week, evangelicals are the most behind on this. And we cannot be. And we will not be. Because it's wrong. Because people are getting hurt as a result of it. Now, I know, because every time I preach, y'all got some questions. I, a lot of people are buying me lunches lately. I really like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach more controversial stuff. I'm going to preach on the vaccine next. And I'll get, I'll, get, yeah, I'll get so many free lunches, and I'll just sit there and go, Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. I'm controversial. I'm not stupid. Are you crazy? <laughs> Good snort. Nice. <laughs> Here's I just I want you to think about these things. And I'm going to get to a lot more. I'm going to get to Paul's letters. I'm going to get to the marriage questions. I'm going to get to all of that. So hold on tight and stay with me because next week I'm going to get into Paul's letters. But I want you to think about this. And I want you to have difficult conversations about it. I really do. I want you to to, to talk to women. And I want you as men to ask. You know, I asked my mom this week, I asked my mom this week, I said, have you, ever, have you ever dealt with this? And she told me of a time when I was a baby when she was sexually harassed at work from a male CEO and what happened to him. And let me tell you, nothing happened to him. She told me of a time I didn't even know of how she was sexually harassed and how she just decided to deal with it because she needed the job to be able to provide for our family. And it made me sick to my stomach. It's happening and it's around us. And we have to have a conversation about this stuff. We need to have difficult conversations. We need to discuss these things because it's important. Because it's our job to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God and and, and to show him that love by how we love one another. It's what we're called to do as Christians. So we must, we must talk about these things. So I want to pray for you this morning and I'm going to dismiss you. There's not going to be any last song or anything like that. But I want to pray for you this morning, and I just want you to to pray a specific prayer. If you'd listen to my prayer very specifically, I just want you to pray this prayer this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Whether you're here in person or you're watching online, just listen to these words. Father God, there is nothing that I have completely figured out. All of my ways are nothing compared to your ways. So, God, would you open up my heart and my mind? God, if there is a tension inside of me, would you help me to pay attention to that tension? Would you help me to wrestle with it? Would you help me to listen? Would you help me to sit with my thoughts? Would you, God, reveal your truth to me? Not Michael's truth. Not one verse's truth. Would you reveal the truth to me? me would i labor over that truth would i not would i not think that i would i not be prideful enough to think that i figured out the truth in 10 minutes on my phone but would you call me to have the dignity to labor over the truth to investigate to search to ask to have conversations If it is so important to me, would you help me to labor over the truth before I might say something that would hurt somebody else? And God, if there is any pride or selfishness in me, anything in me that needs to change, anything in me that needs to be laid at your feet, would you give me the courage to do it? Would you help me to be changed? Would you help me to be transformed? Because, Lord God, the only agenda that I have is to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, is to be the best representative of you that I can be, so that on this earth I may give people a preview of what the kingdom of God looks like. So that on this earth, I may give people a preview of what the Garden of Eden looks like. And God, I look forward to the day, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, the bridge that has been built between you and me, I look forward to the day where I can once again be your Son, where I can once again be your daughter in the Garden again. Lord, I love you, and I pray these things in your name. Amen.